Welcome to Stories from the Center of the Universe, the podcast about the human experience. Al Lester, welcome to the Center of the Universe. Thanks for having me. How you doing, Paul? I'm doing great, man. I guess we should mention a couple things before we get going. You've been on this podcast before with Kevin, and I think we talked about golf for like 90% of that episode. We did. We did. We did a little bit of background, but we primarily talked about golf. Uh, I, I like golf, but not nearly as much as you two. I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit. Uh, I should also mention that Kevin flipping his back as co-host. I'll remind everybody that his uh, name is the occasional co-host, Kevin Flippin. Uh, and then I guess we should uh, also talk about how, how the two of you know each other. You told me the other day, but tell, tell our audience. All right, so me and Kevin, what's up, Flip? What's up? Glad to be here. <laughs> me and Kevin know each other um, through my brother-in-law. Um, my brother-in-law, L.A. Green, um, as I understand him and Kevin have been friends for, for a long time, going dating back to their high school days. Um, we all have kids now close to the same age. Um, we were at my niece's Kaylin's birthday party. I don't know how many years ago now, Kevin, it's had to been every bit of at ten. least 10, maybe yeah. more. Yep. And, um, we're sitting there at this little kid's birthday party with all the kid trimmings and everything. And so happened to be Kaylin's birthday is master's weekend. So is it Masters Weekend or the weekend before, Kevin? I think that year I think it was Masters Weekend. Yeah, that weekend it was, yeah. So we uh we're trying to skip out on the birthday party and find a TV <laughs> so we can watch the Masters. And uh so we cut that on, start talking golf, and the next thing you know, I'm like, I love golf. Flip is like, I love golf too. How often do you play? At that point, I was playing two or three times a week. Um, and we, we have, we hit it off from there. I mean, we knew each other before then, but, but golf was the thing that really kind of kickstarted things. But, uh, I would say we're pretty inseparable now. <laughs> Insufferable <laughs> and inseparable. <laughs> I, I had the opportunity to play with both of you. Of course, Kevin and I played a few times together before, but Al, you and I had never played before. I had not played in quite some time. I, I look like a really bad golfer. I strike the ball like a really bad golfer. When I hit the ball in a fairway that's it's not supposed to go to, I won't even go retrieve the ball. I'm just – it's amazing I made it to the 18th hole. And, by the way, I really didn't because I, I think I stopped playing around the 14th hole. You two look like golfers. You, you actually have nice swings. Now, the ball doesn't always go where you want it to go. Uh, mm. but, but you at least uh, look like good golfers. And Kevin – dresses the part. So Al, the last time we played, could you describe Kevin's outfit for us? Uh yeah, the last time we played, uh what what do we call these things? Shameless plugs. Uh <laughs> if we had if anybody from Nike listens to this, um please 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 start paying Kevin cuz he's wearing all your stuff. Shoes, yeah. socks, belt, pants, shirt, hat, I had to go in and give him my Nike glove to, to to finish the whole thing out, but it was it was uh, it was Nike all the way down. 
Hey, so yeah, yeah. you yeah. Al, you missed at least one article of clothing. He had an undershirt, long sleeve undershirt that I believe was also he Nike. He did. He did. Oh man, I did miss that. That is important too. And, and he yeah. and hold on, hold on, Kevin. And he denied wearing uh, Nike underwear. <laughs> I do not have Nike anywhere, but you have to remember, and I do have a problem. I, I, <laughs> I, I kind of stay loyal to Nike. There are some other things that I'll, that I'll wear, but when you like Nike or Air Jordan stuff, that's what you get for gifts. Like all the stuff I had on was probably some Christmas or birthday present. So I blame my wife some too. That's your excuse. Okay. We'll, we'll go yeah. with that excuse. That's a good one. Yeah. But, but we, we had a good time at one point, Al and I were standing next to each other and Kevin you and uh, our, our fourth player, I guess we can mention him, Kenny Wingle. Uh, Kenny was decked out in all Adidas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had competing brands going on. It was all Nike. And Al, Al pointed it out for me. I'm glad he did because I wouldn't have picked up on it otherwise. It well, it's was- funny because, yeah, I don't even recognize that I have all Nike. I was looking at Kenny going, man, he's got all Adidas on. Look at him. That's that's crazy. And then Al's like, uh have you looked in the mirror today? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good point. It's a good uh, point. And by the way, Al, we drug we dragged Paul out on a golf trip several years ago. So he actually went to a Myrtle Beach golf trip, and he did not. I don't know if you played all four rounds. Um, oh, I, I guarantee you. You went all I think the way we to Duke Myrtle, with you, but I, Yeah, I, I went all the way to Myrtle for some uh, specific reasons, and we talked about them some in our last round, Al. I hear you. Well, I mean, if we stay in Virginia, you got to come this year. Yeah. Maybe. Hey, Al, I'm telling you, how long ago did we play together? Like a week and a half ago? Yeah. My knee is still hurting. Hey, I deal <laughs> with that all. My back still hurt, but but hey, it is what it is. Your, your love of golf may be uh, a lot greater than mine. Understood. That's fair. All right. Hey, Al, uh, you did not grow up in Virginia. Where did you grow up? I grew up um, in the small town of Hinesville, Georgia, um, which is a distant suburb of Savannah, Georgia. And and why did the family uh, raise you there? Um, Raised there because my dad was in the military. He went in the military um, once he graduated high school. Um, I was born in Miami, Florida, um, but his first station, uh, Fort Stewart, Georgia, was the first place he was stationed. Um, and we moved to, we moved to that area at that point. And, and y'all stayed there cause he got out after a few years. No. So here's the unique thing about that. Um, my dad was, he was in the army until about 92. Um, my mom was not an avid traveler. So when he got his overseas stationing, um, he requested that we stay at the base and he kept getting granted that. So. My dad had trips to Korea, trips to Germany, um, Alaska that we didn't go. We we actually stayed behind. Did, did we, we end up doing 20? Kept... No, unfortunately, he didn't end up doing 20. Um, he he um, got his honorable discharge disability um, after about 15 years. Um, so at that point, he got out of the military um, started working in the private sector. All right. So you, you grew up at Fort Stewart. I did. That is where I grew up. I spent, I grew up on the base. Um, I went to school. Well, we lived on base until I was in the eighth grade. 
And that's when we moved off base into Hinesville. And I finished up my high school time living in Hinesville. That's right. So your kindergarten through eighth grade, you were actually on Fort Stewart going through a U.S. military education, effectively. That is correct. All right. So you got to tell us about that. So I guess your perspective, because you have daughters who have been through elementary school uh, and you have a pretty good sense of what that's like beyond a, a, a military base. What was it like uh, in third grade or sixth grade going through a military school like that? Say it again, Paul. You you froze up on me. Yeah, all good. What was it like going through a, a, a school that the federal government, well, actually Department of, De- of Defense, was putting together and paying for? That had to be different than what your daughter's experienced. Yeah, I mean, obviously at that time I didn't know any different, right? But thinking back on it now, um, the the biggest thing was the kids that were coming in and out. You know, the consistency, I think now with my kids talking about, you know, we talk about specialty schools and going to different schools and the opportunities that are provided now, um, private schools. Um, my kids, the first thing they reference is, well, I want to go to school with my friends. Um, the interesting part about me coming up was that my friends changed year to year, depending on what kids were coming in and out because their their parents were being stationed at Fort Stewart or they were being stationed elsewhere. So that was the biggest part, just how much turnover you had from year to year and friends. So you really learned how to greet people, meet people, make new friends, which is something I think the kids these days, quite frankly, struggle with. Now, how that is odd. That's really odd because, to Paul's point earlier, most and Paul, I think, weren't you Germany? I was born in Germany. Yeah, right. So, I mean, most military kids are moving around. I'm not saying Paul, you moved around a lot, but most military families are moving around, and that's why that the children don't have the same friends. You actually were in one spot. And everybody else was moving around, so that's why you didn't have the same friends. I mean, that's 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 the first time I've ever heard of that. That's uh, that's definitely very uh, very interesting. We're, we're now there weren't a lot. Were you playing sports at that time? I mean, you're kind of young, I guess. But I mean, do you guys? Would y'all play in in the street back then? And we used to play kickball and stickball. I mean, we played everything. The unique thing about a military base, and I think that when I think back to my childhood, is you had everything kind of on a military base. They made sure they cared for any type of extracurricular. So you had everything in the neighborhood. You had the neighborhood playground, the neighborhood tennis course, the neighborhood basketball oh, wow. court. So you literally could, could, it was all, it was all right there for you. Um, so literally, you know, pick up the ball, go knock on a friend's door. You're in, you're at the community basketball court, you know, every day, every other day. Um, we're out riding bikes. I mean, it, it, it was cool. You just, you just made friend after friend after friend. And what was cool during that time, the base was kind of the limits, you know, we, we kind of get protective of our kids now and it's try to keep them in eyesight, but we really had the whole base to kind of roam. The thought was, look, these, all these kids are, are the same. They're military brats. They really don't have to worry about them too much. Go have a good time and be a kid. Yeah, that's uh, it's an unusual. To Kevin's point, I you're the only person I know that stayed on a post for that long. I mean, you were on a, the same post for sounds like 13, 14 years, 
and everybody around you was changing out every one, two, or three years. Yeah, my situation is super unique, super unique. Uh, it's so many people that I know that were like a part of my life for like a year or two while they were there. Um, but I stayed constant. I think that's why, I think that's why when we moved off of the base, it was a, it was a much easier transition for me to kind of transition in, um, with, um, what, what, what you would call the local folks, the More folks that, that, yeah. that had, raised families there their their cousins their their grandmothers all lived there because i i had been there growing up with them the whole time yeah so when you were in seventh and eighth grade was there a school uh, sports program or, or uh teams every season kind of thing or did that not exist yeah no we did we did we did middle school sports and i'll tell you the interesting thing i'll, I'll take it back a little bit when i started playing football um, I was nine, eight or nine. And one of the things that we did, you generally on, on the base, you had one team at each age level. But the way that we played, we played, we played the local teams um, around. That's how I got to, I got to uh, gain all the local friends and the local competition. I say that to say the unique thing is that in middle school, because we all went to the at that point, we went to the same middle school as the local kids. So everybody's kind of being integrated together. Now you have all of these local kids and you got the military kids kind of coming together and trying to see who's the best of the best. But we had we had, we had football, we played baseball and basketball all, all at, in the seventh and eighth grade. That's cool. And then you moved into what, – what was the reason the family moved into Hinesville right before your freshman year? Um, that was the point in which my dad uh, discharged out of the army. And so, did, your, did your dad grow up in that part of Georgia, or just like, hey, we know this community, we'll just stay here? Uh, my mom was adamant at that point that we had been such a part of the community that we needed to stay. Uh, we needed to stay for the kids, stay for me, right? Um, I was getting going into high school. I had known that place all my life. Let's stay here. My dad actually grew up in Miami. Um, that's why I'm a Miami Dolphins fan. Gotcha. And we can we can come back to the NFL because we're we're right at the precipice of the be- the beginning of the playoffs. Um, I, I really I really don't want to talk about the Chargers, but I imagine we'll we'll end up bringing up the Chargers a little bit. Um, so in seventh and eighth grade, what was your favorite sport? Baseball. And l- did you play outfield? Because you're a lefty, right? I'm not. I'm not a lefty. Most people think that because both my daughters are. But no, I'm a righty. Okay, so you you could play anywhere on the field. What'd you end up playing mostly? Um, when I first started playing baseball, I played outfield. I played left field. Um, primarily, I was bigger, faster than the other kids at that time. Um, could get the ball into the infield. Um. And, you know, we started out in pitching machine. So that was the – I liked playing outfield at that point. Um, as we got a little bit older and moved into kid pitch, I started pitching. Um, and, and I liked playing third base. And I also played first. Um, so I played the corners and I pitched as I got older. But I started out in left field. Did football become your favorite sport at some point or you just knew that 
you were you were, it might have been your best sport. I'm, I'm making an educated guess. It was your best sport considering you played in college. Um, you know, interesting part about that, Paul, is I I don't think football is my best sport. Mm. Um, Here we go. No, I honestly I do think baseball is my best sport. Um. It just got to the point, baseball, although I love the game, sometimes the, the environment didn't work for me. Um, that's a long story. We can kind of get into that. But, you know, football, what football became for me was, yeah, I was very – at that level in, in Hinesville, Georgia, I was a very good football player comparatively. Um I think the powers that be. So let me retract. When I was in middle school, this is where it kind of all started. And I told you where the locals and, and the military kids converged. I actually, I was good at football, but I didn't get to play the position that I ended up playing. And that was quarterback. Um, I was, we could say I was beat out. I would say the coaches chose to play the local kid at quarterback um, over me, but that's fine. Um, I got to play receiver at that point. Um, baseball, um, I still pitched, um, still played the corners, but there was there was just kind of a transition into all right, football is really is is really looks really good on the football field, baseball field. He's good, but we you know we got some local talent here that that we really like. Um the sport that I blossomed in most in middle school, believe it or not, Kevin's going to love this was basketball. Um, so eighth grade, I'm, I'm five ten, couldn't quite dunk yet, but could touch the rim athletic lived off my athleticism. It made me the best basketball player on the team. Um, kind of carried through to high school. The thought was basketball, basketball, Still good in the other two, but basketball was it. And then I just started having major success in football. And the more success I had in football, the more the basketball program and the baseball program kind of went away from me, I will say. It wasn't that I didn't want to do it. I think the powers that be kind of decided for me that you're a football guy. And so it sounds like you were on the the seam between, like when I grew up, they, everybody loved the fact that kids played all kinds of different sports. It sounds like there, there started to be adults saying, hey, kids should really commit to, to one versus playing two or three. Yeah, they they the way I'll say it, when I was in high school, they liked the fact that you were a multi-sport athlete. They didn't like, in my opinion, they didn't like the fact that you were the best one in all sports. In every one of them. So, are, are we talking about daddy ball and, and some parents <laughs> not not being happy with that? Uh, yeah, to some degree. To some degree, you know, I was told by my basketball coach um, my senior year because we got a new coach that came in. My first coach, Coach Paul, absolutely loved me. Um, had me play on varsity some as as a freshman. Um, but by the time I was a senior, he was gone. We had a new coach. He, 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 Hey, you're a football player. Football players aren't basketball players. 
He believed that basketball it. players had to be basketball first. Um, hmm. base, the baseball team, hey, we know you're a great athlete. We we know there are great things we can do out here, but you got football. These guys, baseball is what they do. So we're gonna get them a little more run. I mean, it is what it is. So they you weren't trying. They weren't trying to win. In other words, that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> that wasn't there on top of the product. Do you think? Do you think there was something working behind the scenes? Was the football coach like really intimidating and <laughs> would run into the basketball coach in the lounge and like threaten him? <laughs> I mean, come on. That's crazy. Yeah, I know. But, I mean, that it, it was – trust me, it was odd for me. The, the the And I always look for the blessing, the silver lining and things. What it allowed me to do ultimately was really put my focus into football. So it ended up being a blessing in disguise because it, I, I had more time for football. Um, and it was probably about the start of my junior year that I'm like, yeah, football is my ticket. Uh, what grade did you start playing quarterback primarily? Tenth grade. And and who was that a transition that you basically said, "Hey, coaches, this is what I want to play," or did somebody see something in you? No. Um, so when I was in high school, we, we had sixteen hundred kids, and I say that to say we had a freshman team, we had a JV team, and we had a varsity team. When I was in ninth grade, all ninth graders play varsity. I mean, play on the on the freshman team some get to play on the jv team if you're exceptional you play on the varsity i wasn't the exceptional kid i didn't even play on the jv team i was on the ninth grade team i started out that year like middle school at receiver coaches knew that i was a quarterback and unfortunately um the quarterback that had been starting over me since middle school got injured um I'll say this as modestly as I can. Once he got injured, he never played the position again. <laughs> You're just stating a fact. Yeah. All right. And so uh, when you, you started playing quarterback uh, and you were the guy, were you uh, like throw 50 times a game kind of guy? Were you a, a good mix of running and throwing? What, what was the position like for you in uh, your junior and senior year? No, no. So we down in South Georgia, they like to run the football. <laughs> so um, believe it or not, in high school, I ran a lot of option. Mm. I'm not anybody that has seen me in person knows I'm not a prototypical option quarterback, but that's what we ran. Um, my sophomore year, I played varsity. But we had a starting quarterback that was super good, a guy named Sultan Cooper, went to Albany State, got to learn a lot from him, awesome athlete. Um, but, you know, I was itching at, at my turn, get to my junior year. It's it's my ball game at that point. Um, we were doing well. We go to the, play, the, the region playoffs. We lose to a tough team. If I remember the name was Camden County. Um, they went on, I think they lost the state championship, but a super tough team. Um, great year. We just, we, it was hard. We couldn't get by them. Um, senior year, we start off the year unblemished, 5-0. and oh. We proceeded to lose the next five. We lost the next five by a total of 13 points. Oof. 
Um, so my senior year didn't go how I wanted to, but I mean, you learn from that, right? It, it's, Hey, what, what, what little more could you have done to, to get us closer for three more points? Or, you know, I remember losing a game two to nothing. I end up getting tackled for a safety mm. and we lose a game two nothing. Who thinks yeah. you're going to only give up two points, but get shut out on the other end. Um, but you you learn a lot from that. You get humbled by stuff like that. It just makes you hungry. All right, we're, we're going to talk about how you ended up at uh, the Virginia Military Institute in a second. But I distinctly remember when uh, you and Kevin were co-guests on episode. I don't remember the number. It was 30-something maybe. 32, I think. Uh, <laughs> Kevin said he remembered you from reading the paper, uh, you playing quarterback at, at VMI. And you went by Alfred Lester, I think at the time. At least that's how the paper reported your name. When did you make the transition from Alfred to Al, at least with your friends kind of thing? Um, at the time, I went to VMI. So that, that first year was kind of the transition year, transitioning from Alfred to, to just Al. I just thought it was simpler. Um, Al Lester versus Alfred Lester. You know, it, it was just – Simpler thing to say, simpler thing for other people to say, to remember. Believe it or not, Alfred gets pronounced a lot of different ways. You got to give me three or four other ways to pronounce Alfred. All right. Alford, Alford, Alfred. It's, 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 it's real. <laughs> hey, they're not trying. I mean, all they have to do is look at the letters and take their time and say it right. I mean, come on. So you <laughs> – so Al, you shortened it to Al. Why didn't you shorten it to Fred? Who would do that? I don't know. You won't be different. You won't be unique. You could be Fred Lester. <laughs> yeah, listen to that. Say that again. Let That's me. right. Good point. <laughs> no, Ke Kevin. Kevin has a fixation on a few things, and one of them is uh, Sanford and Saw. That's why he said the Fred thing. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Good point. And, and why wouldn't you? Because he's one of the funniest guys to ever live. Exactly. Hey, Paul, before before you go to college um, with Alf, Alfred, um, Al, tell us the most memorable – what was the most memorable play that you had in high school? Like, I don't know if it was a touchdown you scored or threw or ran or tackle you made. What's the one memory that sticks out, uh, good memory, from high school? Um – Good memory, but it didn't end the way I wanted to. Uh, look, can I share two with you? Actually, they sure. come to mind. My, my, you could imagine senior year, starting quarterback, a lot of hype. Um, first game out the gate. I told you we were, we ran first. I throw maybe ten passes, complete seven for about a buck seventy-five and two touchdowns. Mm. So, you know, after that game, I'm like, oh, 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 it's on. We're coming out the gates hot. Um, the second part of that year that was interesting was our punt returners had trouble fielding the punt. Mm. Y'all would never think this. I was the team punt returner. <laughs> Wait a minute. It was different. You ended up being the punt returner because the guys prior to that couldn't catch the ball? The primary job was to catch the ball. Got Just it. catch the ball. And I don't get killed. 
I, I think at some point I just let it drop, let it hit the field and do whatever. <laughs> it yeah. All right. So, so when did colleges start paying attention to you? Um, after, right after my junior season, uh, Naval Academy contacted me because the, at that time, and I don't know if it's still the rules, the academies, uh, can contact you earlier than the regular schools. Um, so Naval Academy contacted me in my junior year. Um, we're very interested at that time. At that time, it's very interesting. You thinking that this is 93, 90, yeah, 93. And what they tell me is, hey, we love you at quarterback, but with your frame, your height, you, you can play tight end too. Man, if I knew what I know now, I might have made that transition. <laughs> um, but anyway, it, it, yeah, it was my junior year. Navy was first. Um, and they really, you know, like I said, early contact, they can make contact. Um, and then my senior year comes and first school that, that comes to school to talk about recruiting is Southern Miss. Nice. Um, Southern Miss, then West Georgia. Um, and then I got some interest from Georgia and Georgia Tech, um, but I never did go on visits up there. Um, I made a commitment to go to Navy. Hmm. And, um, you know, my coach, my head coach had a lot of influence on that. He thought it was the, the best thing for me. What he, what he, what he told me at the time was, look, what better edge, what it's a great education. You got a job when you graduate. You're going to be a military officer. Stay in four years. Stay in for a career. You're going to have a job when you get out. You know, his advice was there's nothing better than that. Um, I took that advice. I committed. Um, VMI actually called me the day of signing day or the day after. And said, hey, just take a visit. And I held my paperwork and I went and took a visit. And ultimately decided to go to VMI. So, so I had to break my I had to break my commitment to Navy to go to VMI. What was it about the VMI visit that changed your mind? Um Primarily the school. When I went up to Navy, I thought the school, the academic piece was very intimidating. Mm. That's just the God honest truth. And, you know, I even questioned, can I be successful here? Um, and it had nothing to do with being intelligent. I was smart, made good grades. It just, as I talked to the professors, it was like, oh, goodness, this is going to be tough. Um, then I got to VMI and professors were a little more inviting. Um, coach really, coach really drilled home the point that I would have the opportunity to start right away. Um, that the teams that I would play against were more regional to where I grew up. So my family get to see me a little more. Um, and it was playing in the Southern conference. And at that time, and I, you know, I can't really say now, at that time, the Southern Conference was a beast. 
Um, if you weren't playing D1 ball and you were playing 1AA like I was, that's what it was called at the time, right, um, instead of FCS, um, to play in the Southern Conference was an honor. I mean, because a lot of talent was coming through the Southern Conference. Did Did the fact of playing at Notre Dame ever – Coming through the because if, if if it's me, I'm thinking I'm going to Navy. Who's Navy going to play? Well, they played a pretty good schedule being an independent, um, and they played Notre Dame every year. You would have got to play in Notre Dame Stadium. Did that even cross your mind, or you know, is that so trivial that not something? No, that- it did. It did cross my mind. Flip. I mean that their schedule was the thing that almost made me stick with that decision. Yeah. I mean, when you look at their schedule and you see them playing. Naval Academy, Georgia Tech, going all around the country playing Air Force. It, it was that was that was hard to overlook. But here's what I think. And and God bless the guys that can go and sit and wait for their chance to play for two years. I wanted to play. So knowing I had the opportunity that somebody was going to give me the opportunity to play right away, you know, it was no, that was no guarantee, but I felt like it was a chance I had to take. Now, look, it sounds like it came down to Navy versus VMI and you, and you, you changed your mind in the 10th or 11th hour. Both of those, uh, I'll call them campuses, but technically I think they're both military installations. Uh, yep. Some people love love the look and feel of both places. Other people are like, not not so much. Too much gray in both places. Agreed. Was, was the the campus appealing to you at VMI? Um, it was different. <laughs> <laughs> it was different. Um, but no, it, it it was not the most appealing thing. I mean, when you come on post and you go in barracks. I mean, it was a scene, it felt like a scene out of the early 1900s. It really did, if not earlier. I mean, you're in this barracks that opens up to the open air on the inside. Um, your showers are, you got to walk to the showers in the cold of winter. Got to walk to the bathroom in the cold of winter. Um, it, it was It was sparse. So, no, that wasn't the appealing piece of VMI. From a football standpoint, it was about the ability to play early. Um, from an academic standpoint, it was about the fact that the professors seemed invested in me. Um, and I'll even add, from a military standpoint, it was going to be my choice and not something that I had to do. So that's where I was going to go next. Mm-hmm. So you grow up in a military family. You live on a base for a, a lot of your early life. Your two main schools you're thinking about going to are both military schools. Yeah. Why? Why did you never join the military? I, it, what What stopped you from doing that? Um, I would say I was more like my mom in that way. I liked being home. I didn't like. I liked consistency. I didn't like the idea that I could be stationed somewhere for four years and I got to go somewhere for two and come back here, go there, be moving around. Um, it's really that the other item, the other things that come with the military are actually are very attractive to me. I just could, where some people get thrilled about the moving around and the travel. I never could wrap my head around that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. I, I, I live like a uh, 10-minute drive from where I grew up. Mm-hmm. All right, so, uh, look, I, I went to high school with some guys who played football at VMI or, or baseball, and their experience on the rat line was different than uh, the kids that weren't playing sports. But you, you were still on the rat line. You were still a rat. T- talk to us about uh, your rat line experience. Uh, rat line experience. Here's what I'll say about that. What, what it boils down to is when you're an athlete in the rat line, the, the, the guy, the guys at that time, all guys, right. It wasn't a, it wasn't a co-ed school. The guys that were not athletes, um, weren't too fond of athletes. (laughs) They thought that we got out of a lot of the rat line activity. I challenged that. And I invited anyone of them to come practice with me any day um, just to understand that, hey, we might not be doing what you're doing, but you're not doing what we're doing either. It's, it's not all fun. Yeah, the game looks fun. It's entertaining, but there's a lot of hard work that goes on behind that. Um, it was tough. My coach was very much into us being a much, as much a part of the rat line as possible. Um the idea of another guy, I'm 18 years old, the idea of a 19-year-old in my face screaming and yelling, just, uh, it, it, you had to you had to swallow your pride quickly. Because, I mean, uh, if, if it's one of those things that was going on in your mind is, well, if we were in the streets, this really wouldn't happen, you know? Um, so it was a lot of swallowing your pride. I was in the best shape I ever been in. I, I probably did a hundred push-ups, if not more, a day. From upperclassmen telling me to get on my face and do push-ups. So I look back on that time and I'm like, man, I was in hellified shape. Um, but I also look back on that time and say, that's that's where you learned a lot of inner discipline, because it was a lot of guys that, if we were at a normal school and that and and some of that stuff happened, I'd be like, yeah. It's time to throw down a little bit. Yeah, it would happen once. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how many short dudes that were upperclassmen made a beeline to you because you were a big football player? You know, the interesting thing, man, I felt like they passed out a memo and said, hey, this guy is like a really good quarterback. Give him hell as soon as you see him. <laughs> it was ridiculous. <laughs> and, yeah, it was crazy the amount of guys that, that like their heads were at my chin and they're screaming at and they're screaming at me. They're supposed to be in my ear, but they're like talking to my chest. It, it was actually quite comical. It's, it's funny you asked that. <laughs> it's always the little ones out. It's always yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> Kevin, you look like you're about to say something. Well, I was gonna ask, can you explain what the rat line is for us folks that have no idea what you're talking about? So the rat line is, is a couple things. So in a physical sense, the rat line is, is an imaginary line in barracks in which all freshmen have to walk. And basically it's, it's, you have to square your corners. You have to walk along the rails. You can't walk next to the doors. You can't make eye contact with any upperclassmen. It, it's this imaginary line that you have to walk at at what we call a strain, and that's an exaggerated form of attention. Okay, so that that's that's the physical rat line. The 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 non-physical rat line is 
is it's like being in a fraternity. Hey, you all come in, you're rats. You haven't earned the ability to be called a class. You're going through this initiation period, your first five months before we recognize you as being part of, of, of us, of our brotherhood. So that's what the rat line basically is. So um, hazing, I know it's gotten controversial over, over recent years. Did that take place at VMI? There's a fine line between uh, what, what happened at VMI uh, on a day-to-day -day and, and hazing. Kevin. No, yeah. I know. I'm not, I'm not I didn't go to VMI. Al, 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 would you view what happened back when you were at VMI as hazing? It would be called hazing today. Um, yeah. Back then, no. No, we didn't think of it as hazing. There, there, there definitely were things that happened that today would be called hazing. Um, and you always had you always had guys that pushed the limits, right? Yeah. But, but. You know, at, at you you also had guys that were you. Hopefully, there were guys around that say, "Hey, guys, that's enough." You know, yeah. you, you're pushing it too far. I feel so, like that. That yeah. I was. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I, I feel like that at a place like VMI, there's probably a, a few more of those kind of guys than there might be at a <laughs> at a regular college with you know for with fraternity hate. Anyway, we don't have to go down that rabbit hole. But yeah, I, I appreciate the answer though. I mean, it's good. The, the VMI, look, VMI produces a lot of different, VMI produces and there are a lot of different personalities that come into a military school like VMI. One of the, one of the things that we, we joked about was a high school zero could be a, a VMI hero. The one thing about the rat line, the whole idea behind the rat line was you take, you take an Al Lester somebody that probably feels pretty good about himself and you take a kid that that wasn't very popular made good grades not a lot of people know him may not have had a lot of friends and you 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 break them down to an equal playing field there's no favoritism that's what it's all about you guys you're all you're all going to get having big brothers at yeah. DMI so how did it work so really, you just kind of got to sign the big brother. You got to sign the big brother when you got there. Or you could just find somebody and ask them. But generally, what we did as athletes. Generally, what we did as athletes was we tried to look out for the younger, for the rats that were coming in and, and hook them up with athletes from other sports. So your your big brothers, you were saying, both live in Richmond now. Were they uh, both athletes playing different sports? Well, my my big brother was a basketball player, Lester Johnson. Um, he he runs Mama J's in town. Okay. Great guy. Um, he played basketball there for five. He redshirted one year. Played played a fifth year. Um, and he's he's in town now. Like. A, said running a local business um jonathan mayo um was his roommate and is what we would call my 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 uncle big brother if you will and he runs an organization here in town with michael robinson uh former verina standout and seattle seahawk um called team excel 
So those guys are both doing well, and they're here local. Um, we we catch up from time to time. Hey, hey, Al, can you see us? I can't. So I don't know if you saw our faces when you said, yeah, Jonathan Mayo's partner is Michael Robinson. Like, <laughs> I didn't hey, see your face. It sounds like, it sounds like you're going to hook us up with Mike Rob. I could do that. <laughs> That'd be awesome, man. <laughs> All right, so uh, playing football at VMI, uh, were y'all good all four years, middle of the road, not so good? What was that experience like? Um, Not so good all four. Ooh. And here's what I'll say. Not so good all four to everybody else. Um, we had two what, what we would consider productive years in the middle, um, but my first year and my, and my senior year were, were awful. Um, first year we don't, we went one and 11. Mm. Yeah. I'm looking at your faces now. Mm. <laughs> mm. Um, we didn't win a game until our last game against Appalachian state. They were ranked ninth in the country in one double a didn't <laughs> think we we're going to win. Obviously didn't think we were going to win that one. Um, but somehow, Somehow we played a game of the season. Um, we win that game, and that, that, you know that that set us off on a good foot um, going forward. I, and, I, and let me say this: and this is a, a quick little story. You know, when you're coming in and you're you're thinking you're the hot stuff coming in, you know, we're, I'm gonna change this program because they hadn't won a lot of games before that. You know, I'm coming in. I know it's, the program's not doing well. I'm gonna change it. I'm gonna change it. Me and my brother Rats, right? Our first game of my uh, rat year, we're beating University of Richmond in Lexington. We're beating them 31 to 17 going into the fourth quarter. I'm like, what's been their problem all this time? They beat us 34 31. Mm. And yeah, we don't win another game until 10 weeks later. Mm. Um, <laughs> so I, I got humbled pretty quickly. Um, then we go into my sophomore year and we win four games. Let me tell you, winning four games at that time, we was like winning nine in our book, um, to turn it around that way. And to actually know that, that teams had to respect us when we showed up. Um, that was a big turnaround. Um, Tom, Thomas Haskins was, um, he was our All-American, you know, handed off the ball a lot, tried to throw it around a lot, had really good, really, really good receivers um, as a freshman and as a sophomore. Believe it or not, I threw for more yards in those two years than I did as a junior and a senior. Mm. Um, we get to my junior year, I believe we go, we go three and eight again. We go three and eight. I was going to say three and eight again, but we went four and seven the previous year. Um, look, I love the guys that were in it with me at receiver, but we were shorthanded. Um, we had a backup quarterback, a walk on. <laughs> we're starting receivers at the one double A level. Um, they did everything they could out on that field, and I respect them for it, but. You know, that's not what they were recruited to play. 
Um, so, so we struggled passing the ball. And it was a frustrating year for me because, you know, at that time, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about myself and, and how I'm progressing as a player and wanted to throw it around a lot more. But at the same time, it was Thomas's senior year. Um, I knew we were going to hand him the ball a lot, and, and we did that. And he ended he ended his career as the lead in Russia in one in one double A, which was such a cool thing to be a part of. Um, we get to my senior year, we change coaches. Um, it was a very interesting time for me because in that transition, I knew that the new coach wanted to start moving on because I, my time was up, right? He only had a season with me. He wanted to start moving on, see what else he had. So at that time I had started every game of my career. Um, we play against the university of Richmond here in town. Um, I get hurt. I hurt my knee. Um, I don't start the next two games. Um, uh, that was somewhere in the middle of the season, and then I start the rest of the season. Anyway, there was a lot of dissension on our team that year. Um, I'm making a short story pretty long. We didn't win a game. Oh. Woo. And what was interesting about that year was we didn't come that close to winning the game. That's that, Al. That's got to be a hard way to end your career to be alive. <laughs> it it was a hard way to end my career because I felt like it started on such a high note. But what I fell back on, Paul, at the end of the day, you know, it, it, I laugh about it now. I had a hard time talking about how my career ended when I first graduated. Um, but I got out of it what I was there for. It was to have a great experience playing football. I played in 44 games in college. I started in 42. And I walked away in four years with an engineering degree. In which I was on a full ride. So it, it served its purpose. But, yeah, it, it was, from an athletic standpoint, a hell of a tough field to swallow. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to perfect the math here, but uh... – Eight and thirty-six. Eight and thirty-six. Yeah, yeah, that's got to be rough, man. Because you're, because you're, you're playing a ton. You expect to be better than that. You expect to be a lot better than that, right? Of course, of course. I, I could, I could deal with what we dealt with my rat year because I was new. I, I didn't know what I didn't know. Hell, I will even say that I was part of the problem. I came in there slinging that thing around. I think I threw 15 picks that year. Um, but at the same, that was just, I was that confident in myself. Um, and, and we as a team, we got better. We were getting better. We had the four and seven year. At that point, what you're thinking, what's going on in our minds is, okay, we're building in the right direction, right? So then we we have... We have my junior year, and we lose our starting receiver. We lost three starting receivers. And now we're we're starting the guy that's my backup quarterback, and we're starting a couple walk-ons at receiver. 
you know it's going to be tough to throw the ball and and they get they get the key on Thomas and and you're like okay I can even live with that knowing the circumstances we're in you know it's tough for us to throw and they're keying on the guy even though he's as great as he is it's going to be tough for us to be good offensively so you can even rationalize that in your mind what's tough to rationalize is you become a senior and you lose your coach. There's dissension in the locker room and it shows on the field every week. So it just became tough week to week um, just to execute. But, you know, I believe you go through things for a reason. And, you know, the reason for me, hey, even the best made plans don't don't come through. But what did you do? Did you work hard? Did you commit? Did you did you give to it? Did you give to it the same or more than you did before? And what I feel good about is that I did. Um. So you know, I I walk away from it with no regrets. So I'm going to ask you the same question I asked you earlier about high school. Did was there a play that stood out for you, both good and bad? What, what was your what was your best play, uh, or the most memorable play in in college, and what was the worst? Um, the best play in college was my first touchdown, ETSU. What was neat about not um, yeah ETSU East Tennessee State University? What was neat about East Tennessee State? They believe it or not, at that level, they had a dome. They played inside. <laughs> and um, like I said, I was a gunslinger at that point. Dude, I think – I don't think I remember this. They were in cover three, okay? Deep safety, corners getting deep. We're running the wrong route against the cover three. My Z, my slot receiver uh, – I don't want to get too technical on the football stuff, but my slot receiver is running a post. I can't even tell you what the other receivers are running because all I heard Coach say was a post. <laughs> and in my mind at that time, as and Kevin is funny, we've talked about this this week with my Miami team. In my mind at that time, as long as my receiver could get even with the get even with the safety, I was letting it go. And in this case, he did. I don't think the safety thought I was going to let it go, but. It, I just threw it over his head, basically, into a bad coverage, but it just caught him off guard. The problem with that was I tried it again that game and I got picked. But hey, how far now? How how far could you throw a football back then? Uh, probably about 65, 70 yards in the air. Cool. So that, that cool. That's that's slinging it. My, my, uh, 99% of humanity can't do that. It was a pretty cool thing. And I we talked about Michael Robinson before. I had the pleasure of coaching him his senior year of high school at Verina. And not to get off on a, on a tangent, but we used to do this thing after our Thursday practice where we would, we, would, we would start on the 30 and we would throw the ball to see who could hit the goal post. It was like an accur- a deep ball accuracy thing. Um. And it's funny. I always knew that I could suck it pretty far. 
when it really hit me that I really could throw the ball far was when I was on the opposite 40 and threw it and hit the goalpost. That's like, slinging it, man. Like, I started doing the math. I'm like, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so, Al, back to the notion of having a really disappointing senior year uh, but but not having any regrets. I, I think there's a lesson in that for your kids, my kids, Kevin kids, that, hey, do your best, strive to improve, really hyper-focused on the things you can control, and the rest of it that's outside of your control, do your best to influence it, but understand you can't control it. Oh, that, that, that is the message. That's what I try to relay to my kids all the time. Control your controllables. That's all you can do. Right. You put in the work. You try to influence your teammates to put in the work. Um, when you get together and it's tough, hey, as long as you're working together towards the same goal. Great. But be able to be able to say whenever you're done competing, whenever you're doing whenever you're done doing anything that matters to you, that you gave it everything you got. And I know it sounds cliche, but, you know, my girls are athletes. I preach that to them all the time. You know, the the game is fun. The the winning the game is 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 practice and the work you put in on your own. That that's when you win the game. It's not at the game. So show up and have a show up and have fun at the game. Put all the work in when the lights are off. That way, when the lights are on, you can have fun. Yep, yeah, absolutely. All right, let's real quickly talk about, uh, in your opinion, Al, the uh, Dolphins' prospects for the playoffs this year. <laughs> Why are you laughing, Kevin? That'll be quick. <clears throat> Kevin, mm. You know, what's interesting about that is I'm not going to fight that. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't being I – mean, I wasn't trying to talk trash. Our, our third-string quarterback uh, is not as good as San Francisco's, obviously. <laughs> um, so, you know, what, what, what chance do we have? Get lucky? I mean, there's always a chance. You step on the field, right? These are pros. I don't know. He might show up and have a great game. What do I think is going to happen? I think we're going to get thumped pretty good. Um, I just don't think we're going to be able to effectively move the ball. You know, we got running backs that are dinged up. I think they're going. I think they're going to play eight in the box, force us to throw the ball. And from what I've seen from from Skyler Thompson, uh, he's a little hesitant to let it go. Yeah, well, and Al, the other thing there is you're going up against arguably the most talented team, a team that plays well together, and given uh, the DeMar Hamlin situation, maybe the most emotionally uh, connected team in the playoffs. Agreed. Maybe in a long time. Agreed. I yeah. completely agree. So, yeah, yeah I and- watched the game this weekend, <clears throat> but I'm expecting a quick exit from the playoffs. But, hey, I'm glad we after being 8-3 and three and thinking we would have clinched the playoff berth, Five weeks ago, to be in the playoffs, I'll, hey, I'll take it. Hey, and just so you know, I, I laughed in the beginning, but I've been on the Dolphins bandwagon all year, um, you know, picking them to win, looking at, uh, you know, I, almost hoping they win. And I've never been a Dolphins fan. So I, I, I think it's disappointing for – I'm sure it's disappointing for Al as a Dolphins fan. It's disappointing for us other fans who were hoping to see – you know, a full healthy Dolphins team try to beat the Bills because they beat them once and almost beat them twice in the regular season. So it's kind of sad that they're not going to have that chance. 
let me add this though, guys, and not to prolong this conversation because you, you're right. The the question is very short answer. I, as a fan, I have real concerns about Tua's future. Yeah, I really do. Um, the fact that he suffered, in my opinion, his third concussion, and here we are three weeks later, he still can't play. That's a problem, a huge problem. Yeah. Uh, you you played more football than Kevin and me combined, but yeah, three concussions in a season is not a good thing for anybody. Mm. Yeah. No. All right, Kevin, hit him with your question, man. All right, Al, you ready for the question? I'm ready. All right, so you are a late night talk show host tonight, just for one night, and you got to pick a male guest, a female guest, a musical group, and a comedian. Dead or alive. Male guest, female guest, a musical group, and a comedian. Okay. I mean, just like a, like, a, like a normal Jimmy Fallon, Jay Leno type show. Now, normally they'll just have a musical guest and not both, but uh, Paul and I expanded this to have a comedian in there as well, um, just to learn a little more about folks. So, you know, if you're ready, um, and like I said, it could be dead or alive, it can be you going for the best show ever, or it could just be Al's personal. Um, Show whatever you want to do. All right. So fire away. Male male guest. Who's that? Um, if I could do any male guest right now, dead or alive, it would be my dad. Mm. Um, not to make it summer. My dad passed away ten years ago yesterday. Oh. And it's what's interesting about that losing a parent is. It, it, you, 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 I don't have, I don't have anything readily available with his voice. So I try to recall his voice in my ear. So to be able to have a conversation with him, not about anything in particular, but just to hear his voice, I would say my dad as a male guest. Um, a female guest. I would pick Whitney Houston. Why is that? First, first crush as a young boy. <laughs> well, and arguably the, the the finest voice to ever be. <laughs> yes, yeah. arguably. First crush. It would be Whitney Houston without a doubt. Um, musical artist. Um, I would pick Rock Kim. Of Eric B and Rakim. Nice. My first my first rap tape was Eric B and Rakim's Follow the Leader. I still, if that's if any of those songs come on today, I still sing along with them today. Um comedian, that's tough. Too many to pick from? It's, it's kind of yeah. It's kind of out of my. It's kind of out of my generation a bit, man. But Richard Pryor is probably one of the probably the funniest dude ever, man. He yeah. he, he was funny before he got burned. He he was funny after. Uh, yeah, he he's one of the greats. Yeah, he's he, he's one of the funniest dudes ever. I mean, and you it, know what? It, Every. Every comedian you're probably thinking about that you could have chosen from the last 30 years, he was their hero. <laughs> so without a, a doubt. Show. Yeah. Without a doubt. 
That's a good show. Thanks yeah, for and, playing along. Yeah, and Al, uh, you uh, listing your dad as as the male guest. One of the things we try to do on this podcast is uh, record these conversations for posterity, and so uh, your daughters will all, will always be able to refer to to this and any other audio recording or video recording they have of you. I, I appreciate that. Thank you, man. I really do. And speaking of your kids, uh, tell us about your, your wife and daughters, and, and we'll close with that. Oh, man, my lovely wife, Melanie. We met in 2000, got married in 2002. 20 years in, it, it has felt like the blink of an eye. Um, You know, that's the rock of my life. life when you talk about having a, 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 a partner in life, that's what my wife is to me, you know. Um, loves me unconditionally, sets my behind straight when it needs to be set straight, is there for me, <laughs> um, is my rock when I need her. So she, she's everything to me. Um, we had our first daughter, Ava, in 2006, 16 years old. We can imagine, 16 years old, what can I say? Um, a little bit of everything going on right now, but I mean, that's the kid that made me a dad. You know, I, I never, I never lose sight of that. Um, and to look at her now doing great in school. Um, she is a excellent softball player was recently, recently verbally committed to play college softball at Hampton university. Um, I couldn't be more proud of that kid. Um, my baby girl who's actually sitting beside me right now, Maddie, Miss um, <laughs> Madeline Lester. Um, I mean, what can I say? This kid is daddy's girl. And I mean, daddy's girl. She's an excellent kid. Excellent kid. Friendly as all get out. Nice, polite does excellent in school. I don't think the kid has ever made a B. I don't think she's ever made less than a 95. We don't even <laughs> talk about school, which scares me. Um, she's an excellent softball player in her own right, probably following her sister's footsteps. Um, and I'm glad you asked about them. Yeah. Everything for me, and it's probably what's taken me so long to, to get back on the show because of commitments and so forth, is family first for me. And there's no, there's, that's unequivocal. That they are what comes first for Al, period, point blank. Hey, hey, Al, I, I want to tell two quick, two quick things about your daughters. Uh -huh. uh, num number one, Paul, Al will often bring Ava and Maddie out with him to, to the golf course, and I'll bring Briggs or Brody, whoever wants to play with with us that day and they were they are the nicest two young women you would ever meet i mean they they are polite they're funny they don't they don't they're just perfect to sit over there and you can go up and talk to them and laugh and joke with them they they are the most well-behaved young women not that young girls are worse behaved than young boys because believe me i can tell you all about that but um just so well behaved and i and i credit melanie for all of that um, the second thing, wait, wait a minute, you're that's not who you should credit. <laughs> the second thing, and I'm going to wrap this all into a one big circle for you, a little bow on it. 
because we talk about golf with Al. We talk about uh, one of the things that you and I connected on long ago, Paul, was Whiffle Golf. Um, one of the the things I, this, that I used to hey guys, fear. Is this rain loud on on my on my end because it's it's coming down out here. No, no, we we can't hear it. No, can you still hear us? Okay, good, good. Okay, cool. yeah, I hear you fine. Cool. So we're playing wiffle golf, and one of the things that I always feared about wiffle golf, I didn't want kids there because I was scared some inebriated adult would end up hitting a kid with a with a golf club, and and God only knows what could happen, right? Well, Al, <laughs> Al brought Ava and Maddie out to play, and and well, they weren't playing. I don't believe they were just walking with us, and I was in Al's group. And we had gotten to like the ninth hole and you heard this. And I hope you don't mind me telling the story, Al, because it's actually I don't. Um, very, very, what, well, you'll see what the point is of it. But you hear this thud and you turn around and I don't, you have to remind me, I don't know. I think it was, was Maddie hitting Ava? <laughs> with yeah, call. it was. Yeah, accident, total accident. Um, but the, the, the thing about it was Al was so calm he and now inside he was probably his heart was racing, but he scooped her up and just headed for the car. And I was walking behind him, going, "Yari man, everything good?" And he just like, "It's all good. We got it. We're good. We're good." And boom, he was gone. Obviously, she ended up okay. Um, but it, he was so calm, and cool, and collected. And the <laughs> one of the funniest things he said after that was, "I said, you good with?" Her? He goes, "Man, I was playing so good." <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I had a chance to win the jacket this year. <laughs> <laughs> but he was oh, taking care man. of his babies. It all comes back to that, right? Absolutely. No doubt. Well, hey, Al, I appreciate uh, you doing this tonight. Uh, I mean, obviously, you're with your daughter now. You, you were at her, I guess, a softball practice? Yeah, she had a she had a uh, workout tonight. Um you know, they're trying to – it wasn't really practice. They were trying to hit the gym, do some cardio, do some weightlifting. So, you know, I was just sitting out waiting on her. All right. right on. I, so, I, I apologize about being remote and about my connection and not being at home. But, yeah. Uh, the, the magic of editing will take care of uh, a few things. Yeah, it's, it's all good, man. But I appreciate you doing this, Al. It was fun talking to you. Awesome. Good job, Al. Do we lose him? Say it one more time for me, Paul. Yeah, I think this rain is getting me. Let's say it one more <laughs> no, time. We, I'm we, sorry. We, we just said uh, we appreciate you doing this, man. Taking the time, to talk to us. Oh man, you know I'm happy to. I hate that it's that it's taking this long, and um, I'll make sure whatever happens. If if it won't be about me, because there ain't much more I can say about me. But if we we get on and talk about something else. I will be there in person, so my bad connection uh, does not happen again. Hey, Al, you you are officially off the clock. <laughs> I appreciate that, buddy. <laughs> All right, thanks, Al. Have a good night, man. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. It was fun. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd also really appreciate if you'd rate and review us. You can find us at scodopodcast.com.